Hallelujah. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Peace be with you, my friends. If Luke's account of Jesus' parable, known as the prodigal son, is thought of as one of Jesus' finest teaching moments, then Luke's account of Jesus with two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus may be known as the finest scene portrayed by the gospel writer. It is a classic story with all the elements of fine writing contained within sorrow, suspense, puzzled countenances, a long walk with a friend spent in deep conversation, resulting in enlightenment, and ends with an astonishing recognition of the Savior. Perhaps you will find in it an outline for your own life in living the life as an Easter person. So I invite you to come and see, come and watch how the risen Messiah and Master Teacher introduces two of his disciples to the new life and new creation of being an Easter person. The tale begins, now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. Let me stop right there and ask you if you see anything wrong with being on the road to Emmaus. What's wrong with being on the road to Emmaus, you wonder? I'll tell you what's wrong with being on the road to Emmaus. It's the wrong road. In those days, if you wanted to meet with God, all roads led to Jerusalem, where the temple was, where God dwelt with his people. Yet, interestingly enough, these two find themselves on the road headed out of town, away from where devout Jew Jewish people went to meet with God. Obviously, they had given up hope. They've quit all of their hopes, dreams, and desires, not only for themselves, but for the people of Israel as well, were gone, dashed into the ground, broken to pieces, and thrown into a grave. Their hopes, dreams, and desires died the previous Friday when Jesus died on the cross. Their hopes, dreams, and desires were then buried with Jesus in a grave, hewn from stone, not far from where Jesus was murdered. And now, because all of their hopes, dreams, and desires for themselves and for their friends and family were dead, they had lost all hope. And now we read of them heading out of town, back to their homes, back to their old ways of life, back to their old ways of living. No wonder Luke tells us that these two were looking sad in their countenance, was depressed. How not unlike us, really. When life seems to get us down, when life throws a curveball at us and hits us in the head, when we feel like all of our hopes, dreams, and desires have been dashed into the ground and thrown into the grave, we too become sad and depressed. Yep, it's a lot like us. We too then get on the wrong road and head away from God. We fall back into our old, comfortable, well-known, well-worn tracks of dealing with life. And then we seemingly end up further away from the one who made us, far away from the one who created us. And then, out of nowhere, light begins to shine onto the road into our darkness. 
Luke begins again, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Amongst the scholars and the learned, no small amount of ink has been spilt concerning the reason as to why these two close disciples of Jesus did not recognize him as he came near. Some speculate that perhaps in Jesus' new resurrected body, perhaps in some way, shape, or form, his appearance had changed. And that could very well be true. But as I ponder and think about the many times I failed to recognize Jesus in my midst, it wasn't so much that Jesus was different. No, it was more that about me looking for something other than Jesus. It is usually that I'm looking for something totally different, totally selfish. When I tend to look for something I want, something I desire, something I need, I often don't see what I'm really looking for at the moment. It happens with simple things like trying to locate my lost glasses that at the moment are securely placed at the end of my nose and on my face all the way to the complicated, deep things of life, like looking for love, or joy, or peace. As the, old, as the old country song goes, I often am looking for love in all the wrong places when love, as it turns out, is standing right in front of me. And I think that in this case, here with these two, who happen to be on the wrong road out of town to Emmaus, their understanding of what or who the Messiah was didn't quite equal up to who they thought the, the Messiah should be. But the God of surprises, the God of love, often turns out to be more than we ever expected and more than we ever thought God would be. Thanks be to God that God finds us, comes after us. Yes, God our God seeks us as the hound of heaven. God seeks after us and finds us when we are in all the wrong places so that God may be with us in all the right places, places like our hearts and our minds and our bodies and our souls. Jesus kindly asks the two, what are you discussing? Now here, one of the two disciples walking on the wrong road to Emmaus is now named by the gospel writer Luke. That name is Cleopas. Who is the other person? Why is this person not named? As I was wondering who this second person was, I did a careful word study on the name Cleopas. And when I did that word study, I found that in the gospel of John, John tells us that a woman by the name of Mary was, interestingly enough, married to a man by the name of Cleopas. And this Mary was one of the women who was near the cross of Jesus when he died. And now, just three days later, this Cleopas, who has given up all hope and is now walking out of town on the wrong road, perhaps back to his old way of life, May I suggest that Mary, his wife, is accompanying him back to Emmaus? It may seem like a minor point, but it's an important point nonetheless. It's not specifically in the text, but it sure looks like a distinct possibility written in the margins of my Bible. The two walking on the road to Emmaus may indeed have been a man and a woman. 
Two human beings who had invested their hearts, their minds, their souls into this prophet, this so-called Messiah named Jesus. And they now find themselves on the wrong road, out of town, and are trying to explain to this stranger all of the crazy chaos that has happened in their lives the past few days and how those events had crushed all of their hopes and dreams. Now watch this as we have reached the unexpected and surprising bend in this journey on the road to Emmaus. Jesus, still unrecognized by the two, says to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. It is a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Now, from my army experience, at an infantryman's pace, it takes about 15 minutes to briskly walk about a mile. So if these three were walking briskly, it would take at least an hour and 45 minutes to walk seven miles. So with close to two hours of discussion, Jesus not only points out to these two a few selected verses of Scripture, but Jesus, using the entire Old Testament, goes all the way back to Genesis and leads these two all the way through to the end of Chronicles, the last book of the Hebrew Bible, explaining to them God's rescue plan for a new creation, a new way of living, a new way of life for God's creation to enjoy each other in. This is new creation after the original creation became corrupt through the sin of Adam and Eve, a man and a woman, back in the original creation story in the Garden of Eden. Jesus began with Genesis, with the creation account, explaining how God had created this beautiful garden and placed two beautiful humans in the middle of that garden to reflect God's love into all of creation. But because of the human's selfish and self-serving desires, the garden was ruined, and what was not meant to enter into the original creation, that being death and sin, poured into the garden and thus into the life of all creation. Jesus goes on to explain how God, through the lives of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob's 12 sons, and then Moses, and then how Moses led the Israelite nation, and they were rescued from bondage, led them through the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. And then jumping ahead a bit, how King David desired to build a house for the Lord, a temple in Jerusalem itself. But how God said to David that he, David, was not to build a house for God, but that God would build a house for David, making a name for David that would last forever. And then, eventually, how a baby born in a stable in Bethlehem in the house and line of David had become the primary player in the salvation of the world. And then Jesus explained how that Savior was to rescue us not from suffering, but through suffering. And that suffering was accomplished by him on a cross at the hands of the Romans just three days prior. 
Having arrived then at the turnoff to the town of Emmaus, Jesus walking ahead appeared to be going on. The two people, whose hearts had been strangely warmed during the walk, desiring, desiring more conversation with the stranger, invite him in to their lodgings for the evening and then to share an evening meal with them together. Now think of the first meal in the Bible. When did that first meal happen? Ah, yes, it happened back in the Garden of Eden, did it not? Something involving a piece of fruit taken from a forbidden tree, I believe, where the woman ate of the fruit and gave it to the man who also ate of the fruit, and then the eyes of the two were opened. Amazingly enough, here now in this tale of two pilgrims on the wrong road to Emmaus, these two sit down to dinner unknowingly with the Creator, the gardener, the author of life. And when the stranger breaks the bread, the eyes of the two of them were curiously enough opened. The first couple's eyes were open to shame and guilt. The second couple's eyes were open to grace and truth and to see the risen Lord Jesus sitting with them. Isn't it beautiful that God's story of creation starting in Eden and now new creation revealed on the road to Emmaus is bookend with the eyes of a man and a woman, their eyes being opened up. Today, here in just a few moments, we will gather once again to break the bread and drink the wine of the body and blood of, of Christ. Perhaps for you, whether it's your first time to receive or the thousandth time to receive, whether you received the Eucharist last week or last year or ten years ago, I'd ask you, I call you to open your eyes and see Jesus, the author and perfecter of all creation. Open your eyes this first day of the week, this first day of Easter, and see Jesus, the author and perfecter of new creation. Behold, the old is gone, the new is come. And just one more quick point. Luke tells us then, surprisingly, Jesus somehow vanishes from the sight of these two sitting at this table. Not to be deterred with warmed hearts and new life in their bones, in their great excitement, the two get up, get back on the right road to Jerusalem and head back to town. And when they arrived, they find the eleven and their companions and reported the good news, the Lord has risen indeed. And they told the entire gathering all that had happened to them on their way to Emmaus. Then, once again, amazingly, Jesus stood amongst them and said to them, Peace be with you. My friends, if the first gift of Easter is resurrection, new life, new hope, new creation, then the second gift of Easter is peace. Jesus, the author of creation in Genesis, is now through his death and resurrection the author of new life, new creation, as well as the bearer of peace, not only in Jerusalem, but right here, right now for you and for me. Let us together then open our eyes and see Jesus. 
In just a few moments, we will offer to you the bread and wine of new life, new creation in the body and blood of Christ. And I invite you to come, to come forward, to get up out of your seats and leave behind the old life and grasp on to the new and receive Jesus, whether it's for the first time or for the hundred and first time. Open your eyes and see Jesus, the author of new creation, new life, new hope, and the one who gives us peace. Alleluia. Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.